0: All right. Well, good to see everyone tonight and those who are beginning to hop on Facebook Live. I told you last week to bring your spiritual thinking cap today. How many brought it? Always have it. Always have it. I know you do. I just like to mess with you sometimes. But what we're going to do tonight is continue on Mind-Brain Connections. I think that this is number 112. We've been on this for over two and a half years. I don't see any end in sight yet because... I see some things that I want to bring forth in the near future about this. But tonight, what I want to talk about is seeing our divine imagination as the God factor. Seeing our divine imagination as the God factor... I could say the God principle. Now, I'm not saying that you and I are God, and I'm going to explain that as we go on. Because I, Kay Fairchild, am not God. But I have a God part. I have a God factor. I have a God principle. And it is the divine imagination. And when I engage my divine imagination and feel the feel as though it is already done, because it's done but feel the feel that it's done subjectively and manifestly, that's God. That's God. Now, let me give a little disclaimer before I get into this tonight. When I teach what I teach tonight, I'm not saying that God is not a being. God is a being. He's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He's described as love. He's described as light. And when I talk about Jesus, the Son of Man, I believe that Jesus was a man. He really was a man. He called himself the Son of Man, only on one occasion that I know of, he called himself the Son of God. And I believe the more understanding that we come into, the more we're going to appreciate Jesus the man. He never asked us to worship Him, only follow Him by doing what He said. And the more we gain understanding, the more we appreciate the Father, the more we appreciate the Son and what He did, and the more we appreciate Holy Spirit. And I don't separate Holy Spirit from my Spirit. Holy Spirit did not come and cause me to have a reborn Spirit. He that has joined to the Lord is one Spirit. We've always been one Spirit, but because we did not know that, it was as though Holy Spirit had to come. Now, I heard someone recently say that they no longer believe that the holy place dimension and the tabernacle is where we get the Holy Spirit. I agree and I don't agree. Let me explain myself. We always had Spirit. When Jesus came and he said, Have you received Holy Spirit since you believed? And it says he breathed on them, and the word breathed there means to generate and to rise up. So we always had spirit. So I believe the holy place dimension in the tabernacle is still an experience that you and I had. Where we received, not it coming into us, but where we received it bubbling up from the inside. From the inside. It was generated. It was, we used to sing the song, Rise Up a Well, and so forth. It rose up. That's another meaning of breathe. It's to rise up, to generate, to come forth. And so we had everything when we came here. As I said, Ephesians 1 4. 1 Timothy one nine says, We were called, we were chosen, we were saved, we were blameless when we came here. And that was before creation. That was before the foundation. So we came here intact with nothing missing and nothing broken. And of course, you know, we've taught some scriptures. I myself, I've been a big, you know, contender of verses like, you know, all have come short of the glory of God. I've been a big contender of the one, and I think it's Romans 5.12, that talks about by one man sin entered, but notice what it says, the world. And then it talks about the fact, and death passed upon all men. Why? Because we believed in that death. Death could only pass upon all men because we embrace that. We receive that. So, I want to make some of those things very clear as we get into this. I'm not doing away with Father, not doing away with Jesus the man, Amen. not doing away with Holy Spirit. Right. And I believe that we appreciate the further we go, as I said, we appreciate those aspects or entities or beings, whatever you want to call them, more than we have ever appreciated and experienced them before. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to begin to open up some scriptures. Some of them I'll have you turn to. Some I'm just going to quote to you. But we're going to look at scriptures that depict verses that talk about the Christ mind. And of course, we've done a lot of teaching. I'm going to be bringing my chart back shortly because I have something to show you differently, and I'm going to need the chart. But we have been teaching that the right side, the right hemisphere, represents our Christ mind. It represents the realm of spirit. It is also where our divine imagination is, on the right side. And as we bring the Christ mind or the divine imagination to the left side, which is what? The left side is mere intellect, human reasoning, logic. As we yield the left side, yield our woman, that's the feminine principle, whereas the right side is the masculine principle. As we yield our woman and bring the Christ mind, the divine imagination, to the left side, and join the two together, they then become one in experience. It's like a man and a woman having intercourse. He deposits the seed. We know the feminine principle is what? It is the the womb. We know it is a projector, and it projects out the manifestation, the subjective manifestation into our life, and we then begin to experience the truth that has been joined from the masculine to the feminine. Now, I taught this, I remember saying this many, many years ago, and that is, I'm all tangled up here, that is that fathers are begetters. Fathers beget. Fathers beget. They're starters. They start things. So, therefore, if that is the truth, as in the natural, so in the spiritual, if that is the truth, and it is... Then as we engage our divine imagination and feel the feel <clears throat> as though it is done subjectively, I mean, think about how the woman with the issue of blood felt when she no longer had to go to the doctors. When people no longer held her at arm's length, because at that time, if you had a bleeding issue, that was a curse. You had to stay away from people for the most part. Think how she felt And I believe she felt that before because she said within herself, if I can but touch, and I'm going to bring it out allegorically how it relates to us, if I can say within myself, if I have an apparent need, if I can but touch that place within me, thine imagination, and if I can feel the feel as though it's already done and feel the joy that I'm going to feel if it was an issue of blood for me, you can see why the little woman had manifestation, a subjective manifestation, and the bleeding stopped. We talked about Paul and Silas when we talked about the biblical people, the examples, the biblical examples Of people that engaged their divine imagination and felt the feel of it is done. Paul and Silas were in the worst part of the prison, probably all tied up in stocks and bonds. And there they were singing praises. And it wasn't because they were seeking some sky god, beseeching some sky god out here to make them free, but they were singing praises and worshiping. Because they knew they were already free and they were feeling the feel of it. We can see this with Paul on the religious ship. We can see things that he told the people no one's life is going to be harmed. He was in, engaging his divine imagination and he was feeling the feel of everyone being safe. And they were safe. And then in the next chapter, he gets bit by the viper and he just shakes it off because he knew he was free. He knew he was free. He saw himself free from that particular thing. So, as we engage our divine imagination, and as we feel the feel that it's it's already done, not just already done in the invisible realm, but already done as far as subjective manifestation, let me tell you, all things are possible to them that believe. With man from the left side, living strictly from the left side, there are some things that would be impossible. If you're just trying to change things from positive thinking or mind over matter from the left side, and you may even get a manifestation, but it's going to be short-lived, it's not going to be fruit that remains. I'm talking about fruit that remains. Now, I've shared this before concerning decreeing. We hear a lot of people today Binding and loosing, and we all went through that realm. I'm not criticizing anyone. We already went through that realm, and we we preached those things, binding the devil and loosing the angels, or binding sickness and loosing health. And we talked last week about, or the week before, I think both weeks, about what that is talking about. It's talking about tying heaven and earth together. To bind means to tie together. And so we went through that, but we talked a little bit about what is a decree Because we used to bind and loose and decree, and we thought it was all in words. But decreeing takes place in our consciousness. And then, if you are led of spirit within to speak words of spirit in life, then you speak. Because I believe in speaking. Out of the abundance of the heart and the mouth speaks. I do believe in speaking. But only as Jesus did. He only spoke what he heard the Father speak. He only did what he saw the Father do. So decree really begins <clears throat> within our consciousness. It's an operation of our consciousness. Now, the right side is our God consciousness. That's God. The left side is our individual consciousness or our individual awareness. And as I've already stated tonight, as we bring the masculine principle, after we have yielded the wife, the woman, the feminine principle, bring the two together and the two intercourse or the seeds of Christ are sown into the individual awareness, then we're talking about something being projected out in manifestation. Now, maybe next week, I'm not sure when, I'm going to take that even a little bit deeper. And I'm going to show you something, and I I can't do it tonight because I want the chart with me when I do that. But once the subconscious, let me just give you this much of it. Once the subconscious has received the same seed that is in that which we have called the feminine principle, then you're dealing, really dealing, with fruit that remains. Because what has happened the first eight years, if you listen to Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton and so forth, they say this on a more of a secular level, but what they say is the first eight or ten years of your life, if someone said to you, you're stupid or you're dumb or you're ugly... That was accompanied by feeling. You felt that. And you didn't know enough truth to challenge that. And you felt that. And that sowed seeds into your subconscious. And then we wondered why we were sabotaged so much throughout our life. But now we're learning to rewrite the subconscious by thinking the thoughts of I am health, I am wealth, I have all and am all. And as we speak those words, not... I'm going to be well, because if you say I'm going to be well, subconscious only hears sick, or someday I won't be sick anymore. Subconscious only hears sick. But if we speak I am, present tense health manifested, and the feeling is accompanied with that, then you begin to rewrite your subconscious. And no longer are you sabotaged in those areas. And we've all gone through this. And as I said, we'll talk about that a little bit more later on because I need to have my chart for that now in John chapter 1 and verse 3 let me just quote these words to you it says there in John 1 verse 3 all things were made by God or it really says in King James all things were made by him but we know that's God all things were made by him or all things were made by God and without him there is nothing made that is made Now, there's one problem with that. And that is that man has not agreed upon the identity of God. Man has not agreed upon the identity of God. So let me give you Moses as the example. He's saying to God, and he's not talking to some sky deity out here. I believe that every man came into this world with spirits. Yes, they weren't aware of it. And yes, they didn't know how to operate. And that's why at times it seems like the anointing left and the anointing came. Because they had no clue how to operate out of spirit. But he says within himself, just like the woman with the issue of blood said within herself. He said within himself, who am I going to tell the children of Israel was sent to bring them out of this Egyptian bondage? And spirit within him said... Tell them, I am, and of course I am means I exist. I am that I am sent you. At that second, I believe, that is when Moses became keenly aware of his awareness of being. Say it again. I believe at that time, Moses discovered God as his awareness of being. He discovered his God principle. His Christ principle? He discovered his God factor. He discovered his awareness of being at that moment. David said it this way in Psalm 46:10: "Be still and know that I am God." What was he talking about? He was talking about his awareness of his being. He was talking about his God factor. Because truly, who I am and who you is is Christ. your true being, your true awareness of being, is God. Now I didn't say "I fair Fairchild am God," or Mary how you're God." I didn't say that, but what I said is there's a God factor, there's a God principle, there's a God part within you, and so we need to be very and I Let me say it this way. It's very easy when we're living from the left side to tell a person, I am sick or I am broke, I am sad, I am depressed. But once we begin to draw from the right side of our Christ mind, it's much easier to say, I'm joyous. I'm health personified. God is the health of my body as me. He is the wealth of my being as me. He is all in all in all y'all. So we have this God factor or this awareness of being within us that brings about manifestation subjectively just as God brought forth manifestation subjectively when he said, light be And light was. Now, let me have you turn in your Bibles or devices, whatever you use, to Isaiah 45. And maybe we could turn the heat down a little bit. (laughs) Getting a little toasty in here. Getting a little warm in here. And yes, I did take my long johns off. (laughs) I don't go anywhere without long johns when it's in the 30s and the 20s and the 40s. But it's just a little warm in here. Maybe it's just me, I don't know. It is warm. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. I want to read verses 5 and 7. Notice what it says there. It starts with I am. That's our awareness of being. Our awareness of being is I am. I am the Lord and there is none else. See, there's only one life. There's only one life. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. We haven't known that. That's been the problem. We have not known our awareness of being. And therefore, that's why we have been sabotaged on many levels. Had a lot of the problem. Think of it this way. We have all things. We lack nothing. But yet, you know what? We all have some apparent lacks. Apparently, in the appearance realm. And I'm just going to go so far as to say this. There are people today in the secular realm that are having manifestations in the secular realm now. I've seen them. And they're declaring divine imagination, feeling the field, rewiring the subconscious, and they're experiencing manifestation. And the people that are the most behind... In experiencing manifestation, is the church? The church, Christianity. I'm telling you, Christianity. Christians are the sickest people upon the face of the earth. And you know what? It ain't getting much better. And I'll tell you why. Because they see all kind of powers. More than one life, their mind is set on entities outside of them, even though Jesus said, nothing without defiles the man. It's that which is within the thought life that defiles the man. But Christians, Christianity is in a mess. And to top it all off, they're just waiting to get the heck out of here. Or they're waiting to croak and go by the way of the grave. And all of a sudden, I'm going to experience all this stuff that Sister Kay talks about. Well, yes. I'm not saying they won't. But I'd rather experience it in my body. And God gave us a body for a reason. Our bodies are expressions. They're vehicles of expressions. Now, I know when a person dies, they have a spiritual body. I understand all that. But I want to stay in this one. I told you after my husband died, it wasn't too long. He said, keep your body. After he was gone, he came to me. He said, keep your body. And Dr. Bill hanschel some of you watch him on uh, Facebook Live. His father came to him after he passed away. Because Dr. Fay and Dr. Bill went to pray for him and said, we're going to bring you a miracle today. You've probably all heard the story if you listen. And uh, he said, I don't want a miracle. His dad said, I don't want a miracle. And it wasn't long he died. And he came to Dr. Bill... And he said, I could have had it. Shoot, I could have had it. I could have stayed in my body. I'm not sure the words exactly. But Dr. Bill has shared that numerous times. I could have stayed in my body. See, there's something about us being in these tabernacles, tents, not made with hands. There's something about these bodies. God never said anything to Adam. Adam didn't have a clue what death was. Once he was told, if you partake of the truth of the knowledge of good and evil, dying thou shalt die. Death? What the heck is that? Yeah. He had no clue
1: yeah.
0: what it was like, what death was. Now let me finish reading this. Isaiah 45, the last verse. I form the light. That's an antithesis. I form the light. I create darkness. Someone says, yeah, God can do whatever he wants to do. He's a sovereign God. He The light and created the darkness. No, you did. God created the light, but we, in our squirrely understanding, turned it into darkness in our awareness. Another scripture in the Old Testament, Hosea, I'm not sure where he says, I give life and I kill. God doesn't kill anything or anybody. We do. We kill the revelation by all of the religiosity that we have been bamboozled and hoodwinked by. I make peace. And create evil. God never created an evil. What's he talking about? It's an antithesis. An antithesis is God can give that, that light, that peace, that life, but mankind takes it and religiously corrupts it and turns it into war or turns it into evil or turns it into darkness. He's given us dominion. He, in a sense, stepped aside and said... I don't want to control. I'm going to let you have the dominion. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the scripture and I'm not moving this arm. I had a little accident. That's why I'm not. I'm kind of stiff here. I fell this week, and I, I'm not sure it's not broke yet. I don't know. Something's pulled in there, so I'm not moving it too freely tonight. But uh, what was I saying? <laughs> what was I talking about? Um, anyhow, yes. Otherwise, the children of Israel could not have made the statement that they limited the Holy One of Israel. How can you limit a sovereign God that is in control of everything out here? He's in control of your health, in control of your wealth, in control of... No, you are. You have been given dominion. Now, I'll be quick to say, we don't use the power of God, but we allow, as Jesus, the power of God to flow through us. And to use us. So the last part then of 45 of Isaiah, verse 7 says, I make peace, create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. But let me show you something. Your awareness of being is the Lord. There's only one Lord. He says right here, there's only one God. God. And again, I'm not saying I'm God. We're going to balance that as we go. But our awareness of being is the Lord. Because he gave us dominion. And he said, we know what he said. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. He, in a sense, limited himself and stepped aside. And said, I'm going to give it to mankind and whatever they do with it is going to be what the outcome is. What does the scripture tell us in 1 John 4, 17? As he is, so are we. Not after we fly or die. In this world. So the as he is and the so are we, what is that pertaining to? It's pertaining to our awareness of being. Now, let me show you something else in Matthew 16. You can go there if you want. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Matthew chapter 16 Verse 13, this is when Jesus comes to Peter and says, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And of course, Peter says, well, some say you're Jeremiah, some are Elias, and... and he said, but who do you say that I am? He wasn't saying, who do you say that I, Jesus, the Son of Man, am? He was saying, who is my am-ness? Who is my am-ness? Who is my I am Okay. And Peter gets a revelation and he says, Christ, the son of the living God. Well, we're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh too. John 17, he prayed that the glory would not just be resident within Jesus, the man, but that we all would be sharers in that glory that he had. So there's one life, there's no difference between the Christ, the Father, God, in your awareness of being. I'm going to show it to you more as we go on. So what did Jesus say then when Peter said, Well, I know who you am, (laughs) who you is. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus told him You didn't get that from man, from the left side. You got that from your right side. You got that from the Father. You got that revelation. And he didn't stop there. He went further and he said, and the church is going to be built upon that particular revelation of the awareness of being of each and every person in the body of Christ. Now listen to this. Jesus said in John 5.30... I can do nothing. I can do nothing. I can't, fair child, can fair talk and do nothing. You Mary how, can do nothing in and of yourself from the left side. But then Jesus said, after he said, I can do nothing, I of myself, I in and of myself, as Son of Man, can do nothing. Then he proceeded to say, I do only what I see the Father do. And I say only what I hear the Father say. Are you getting this? I hope I'm preaching to the choir tonight. (laughs) And then Jesus said in another place in John, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He said, I am the shepherd, I am the door, I am the Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end, but guess what? so are you as we turn within to our awareness of being our I amness that 's the way that 's what leads us that 's the door that 's the shepherd that leads us from within that 's the alpha, the omega that 's the beginning and the end that 's all that Jesus said. He was, and he wasn't talking about in and of himself because he said, I can do nothing. And I only do what I see the Father do. And I only say what I hear the Father say. I, of myself, you, of yourself, can do nothing. But as you turn within to the awareness of being, you can do all things. As you hear him say, you can speak. As you see him do, you can do. Now, what did Jesus mean in Matthew 24 and other places where he said, I and the Father are one? Well, let me give it to you this way. When you engage your divine imagination, which is the Father factor, fathers beget, you're begetting something. And when you engage the divine imagination and feel the feel as though it's done because it is done on one level, but feel the feel that it's done manifestly and subjectively, and the manifestation ensues, that is God. That is God. That's the father factor. Now, Jesus also said in Matthew 24, 26, if they say, Lo, go over here to the desert, or they say, Go over here, go not after them. Because why? Because the kingdom of God is within you. Don't go after any man if they say, Christ is over here or Christ is over there. Or even if they say, Christ is going to come back on a white stallion tooting a golden trumpet. Don't go after that. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom of God is within you and within me. Now, what does the scripture mean where it says that Jesus went to his father? It means that he simply rose in consciousness to the point to where he was aware of his being To the point that he transmuted, he came over, he was a parent and had victory in anything that was thrown at him. Whether it was a blind person, a deaf person, whether it was when he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness and he was tempted... And, of course, we know we've taught a message on that a number of years ago. He wasn't tempted of some devil. That's a reflexive verb. He, the temptation came from within him. Think about it. The guy had fasted for 40 days. Don't you think he got a little hungry? After 40 days is when starvation can, you know, begin to work in the body. Right so it was a, that's a reflexive verb. The devil there is a, it, It's reflexive. A reflexive noun, excuse me, not verb. Reflexive noun, which means that the temptation came from within him. All temptation comes from within us. I mean, you can read the book of James and you can see that. All temptation comes from within us. So, by turning within and by knowing what I'm sharing with you tonight about your awareness of being, I'm going to ask you the question, who do you say that I am? Ask yourself, who do you say? Who are you saying on your left side? That I am. Who is my awareness of being? What is my awareness of being? It's the God factor. It's the Christ. It's the Lord factor. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, or so is his experience. Why? Because that's the Lord. As a man thinks in his heart, awareness, as the two left and right are joined together, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he or so will be his experience. Meaning, you're the Lord of your life. You govern your life by whether or not we involve ourselves in these things we've been talking about for over two and a half years on mind-brain connections. And especially what we're talking about tonight. Now, another verse is found in Matthew chapter 6. See, so many prayers go unanswered today. And I, and I listen many times to, to people, preachers. Candy makes fun of me. But I listen to TV preachers. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes, you know, it's fun because
1: I, I, I just
0: want to hear kind of where people are at. And, you know, invariably they all, even the best that preach finished work in grace, even the best of them. I listened to one guy pray last week. In two sentences, he said in Jesus' name probably eight or ten times. We're going to talk about that at the end, because Jesus didn't pray in Jesus' name. He didn't pray over someone and say, in my name. No, he didn't, but, but yet he prayed in Jesus' name. I'm going to share with you how he did that, because he really did, but he didn't verbalize the magic formula of in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, in Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said, And listen, I'm not making fun of religion. We have all been there. It's the system of religion that is messed up. But in Matthew 6, 6, it says, when you pray, and I'm kind of paraphrasing this, go within in secret and shut the door, and that which your father sees in secret will be rewarded openly. Now, what is the father? Where did it tell us to go? Within. And shut the door. And your Father, who sees in secret within you, will reward you openly. So the shutting the door part there is looking away from how things may be appearing. Okay. Whether it's a sickness or a financial problem or a social problem or a mental problem, to shut the door. Amen. See, because listen, and I've said this for years... There's only one power and nothing in and itself has any power except the power we give it by believing it is a power and then you give it a power. So to shut the door is to shut everything off that may be an apparent need. We don't have any real needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have no want in my life. Amen. Do I have some apparent things? Yes. But to go in... To myself, the prayer closet, to my amness, to my awareness of being, and to shut the door would be to shut the door, close the door, looking away, as Paul the Apostle said in Thessalonians, he said, abstain from all appearance of evil. Showing us that anything that appears evil, sin, sickness, death, whatever it is, is no power whatsoever. And we are to abstain or shrink back from it or look away from it. So to go inside, as Matthew 6, 6 says, in prayer, in secret, is to go into the prayer closet. It's not going into a literal closet and shutting the door. Now, you can do that if you want, but if you do that, make sure you're going within yourself at the same time <laughs> and shutting the door. Because you can go into a literal closet and shut the door and it not do a hill of beans of good for you you can still see you know, all those issues and those so-called apparent problems that you have. And I'm convinced that once we... And listen, I'm telling you again, the secular guys like Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton, the secular guys are seeing manifestation. By talking about rewiring the brain, engaging the divine imagination and feeling the feel, and they're getting all the miracles, and we ain't. I'm not saying we're not getting it. We are. But I'm just simply saying, Christianity, for the most part, is way behind even the secular world and science in many indications and in many ways. That's why I believe quantum science is really what I'm teaching here, although I may not be using the language exactly. It's really what I'm teaching here. What is quantum science? It's talking about how you can access... Can't have a low battery. It's telling us how we can access the invisible realm and bring into manifestation in the visible realm any apparent need that we may have in our life. Now, we're all familiar with the scripture. We probably could quote it by heart. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So what are we seeking? Simply to turn within. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Where is it? The kingdom of God is within, and his righteousness that we've always had and we've never been separate from, and all of these things will be added. Now you know I don't like that word added. Unfolded from the invisible to the visible realm. And what this is simply saying is if we can go within ourselves and access the Christ mind, access the divine imagination, and if we can feel the feel that it is done, not just invisibly done, but visibly done, manifestly and subjectly done, Remember, I gave you the illustration. In fact, I think we might have played that video here one time about the medicineless hospital, hospitals, the Chinese doctors, over the woman that had the cancerous tumor in the bladder and it was inoperable. And they began to see it done, and they began to feel the feel. And it looks kind of weird... It looked kind of weird. They were jumping up and down, you know, with joy about how this woman is going to feel when the tumor is no longer gone. And right on the video, you could see the powerful x-ray that they had on her. You saw it dissolve, slowly dissolve in front of your eyes. What did they do? They engaged the divine imagination, their awareness of being. They felt the feel of it is done, and you could watch it dissolve right before your eyes. Now, when we think about Mary story of Mary. I want to share this because the story of Mary, what Mary experienced is what a people are beginning to experience. Because, listen, Mary was not merely a woman that gave birth in a miraculous way to a man named Jesus. But allegorically, Mary is us. Mary allegorically is our awareness of being that forever remains virgin no matter how many desires have manifested within our life. (laughs) For example, it's stated that Mary knew not a man when the angel came and told her. What did she say? Well, I know not a man. Yet she conceived. In other words, I, K. Fairchild, have no reason to logically believe that that which I desire to manifest is possible. Unless I can discover my awareness of being to be my father, my husband, and bring about co-creating right side, left side, and then even greater when you get into the subconscious realm, and manifestation can ensue. Listen to Isaiah 54, verse 5. Parts of it says, Our maker is our husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. Our husband is our right side. That's the masculine. The woman, the womb, the projector is our left side. And as the projector yields and is not led by the natural intellect, the human reasoning, or our logical way of thinking... Then it begins to become one, masculine and feminine become one, joined together. There's an intercourse that takes place. The sperma of the word is deposited in the woman, the womb, that which projects out into manifestation. But when we get into this a little bit more, I'm going to incorporate the subconscious with it. Now, we've done some of that up to this point, but I'm going to do it even in a greater way. Because, you see, we are still operating at will by bringing the right side to the left side. But once it's deposited in the subconscious, the subconscious completely goes against our will, in a good sense, naturally. It's like, like, uh, who was it, Peter's shadow. It was like Peter's shadow. He was just walking down the street, and people left and right were just being made whole even going against his will. He probably didn't even know who all was healed. He, he may have not even been cognizant that that was happening because a word had gotten down into the subconscious and just like a tree doesn't wipe its brow and struggle to produce fruit or to bear fruit, it will just naturally happen. And that's what a people are going to experience once the subconscious has been rewired. Right now, we're still joining the masculine and the feminine, and it is projecting manifestation outward, but more or less at our desire and our will. But it's going to be to where it's going to be just so natural, just like the tree. It doesn't struggle to bear fruit. It doesn't wipe its brow to bear fruit. It just bears fruit because that's what it is. And we'll just bear fruit naturally because that's what we is. And not only that's what we is, but we know that's who we is. Now, in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, the story of Mary again, she stated there that she magnified the Lord. Now, let me just say, I do not believe that we magnify the Lord just by in singing songs and raising our hands and worshiping. Uh, there's an aspect to that. I'm not taking away. But we magnify the Lord. And listen, we're not magnifying some Lord that's separate from us. We are magnifying the Lord of glory within us. Hello? See, I've become an atheist to the sky god. Can I say that? I've become an atheist to that kind of a god that's separate from me. That god doesn't exist. That's not my God. My God dwells within me. He's closer than my breath. He's nearer than hands and feet. Now, yes, there is an omnipresent God. Don't misunderstand. But he can't be an omnipresent God unless he's omnipresent in me and in all of humanity. But today we have people. God, will you please heal this one? Will you please heal that one? As though he's separate from us. And we're our own governor, we're our own Lord. If we can, if we can get that revelation, and quit separating, that's been the biggest one of the biggest problems of religion today is separating man from God, even the Father. We're the body of God. We're the body of Christ. We are the soul of God. We are bone of His bone. We are flesh of His flesh. Listen, our breath is His breath. There is no other breath but the breath of the Father, which is our breath. That's right. kings and Lord of lords. John 1 1. Listen to this. In John 1 1, it says these words In the beginning was the word. Now, we could say it this way In the beginning was a desire. Someone says, Well, but maybe my desire is not God's desire. Well, if he's given you all things, then how could it not be his desire? <laughs> Let's think about that. Right? If he's given us all things, how could any desire any of us have not be God? I remember when I first got sick and I was still at the church I was raised in, the pastor would come and pray, Well, if it be God's will, heal Sister Kay. Well, it was his will. And then I've had people say, you know, back, thank God that part of my life is over, they come up and say, Well, in God's time, he's going to heal you. What do you mean God's time? It's already mine. Now, the only timing there might be would be when I could get the connect that he is the health of my body as me. But listen, when God declared in Isaiah the end from the beginning, there's no time, distance, and space in that. And once we know that there's no time, distance, or space to the spirit realm, then there is no having to wait for anything manifestly or subjectively to be a part in an experience of our life it all wrong folks we've had it backwards so John 1 1 in the beginning was a word or in the beginning is a desire <clears throat> now this desire or this word can be swimming around in our consciousness and it is swimming around if you have any desire tonight it is swimming around in your consciousness seeking embodiment seeking to be crystallized seeking to be manifested but now listen The desire in and of itself has no reality. The only thing that has reality is the I am or the awareness of being, which is the only reality that there is. Now let me give you the second part of John 1.1. Because in the beginning was a desire. And whatever desire you have tonight, if it's a desire of the kingdom of God, obviously... It's the desire of God. But listen, once you add the last part of John 1:1, 1, 1, which says, "And the Word was with God." In other words, the word, or the desire, must be fixed, united, one within our individual consciousness, and that will then give it reality, and when it has reality, it's going to crystallize into subjective manifestation. It has to. It can't do anything but that. In other words, your individual awareness becomes aware that what I desire, I am that. I already am. So what we seek for, we already am. We already is. It's who we be. And the word be is what? A state of being. Our state of being. My state of being tonight, regardless of what I'm feeling in my body. My arm kind of hurts tonight. But my state of being is, for you, Sheila, as well, with that broken wrist, so-called, apparently, it's who we are. I am whole. I have nothing broken. Not even a musk torn or shredded or a bone broken. I thought I had one the other day, but... I am health, if I can talk, personified. He is the health of my body as me. He is my wealth as me. A conception of that then takes place within the womb of the left side of our individual awareness. And the divine imagination has been engaged. And we begin to jump up and down and feel the feel of I am whole and have always been. And whatever I seek after, I am already that. Hey, that feels pretty good now. <laughs> I am that. Whatever we seek for and desire, we are that. And you know what? Divine imagination knows that. We've just gone at this in the wrong, the wrong way. Now, Matthew 18, 19 says, If two shall agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done of my Father. And I remember I felt very limited unless I could grab a hold of another person yeah. and have two people right. agreeing. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, no. but don't stop with that. Because what are the two things that must agree? Our divine imagination and the feel that it is done. Our mind of Christ. Who do men say that I am? Jesus said. He wasn't saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am. He's saying, who do men say that I really am? Oh, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon that revelation, what I'm revealing tonight, upon this revelation, the church is built, and listen, the gates of hell, which should have been translated death, shall not prevail against them. Death will not prevail. And listen, someone might have in their mind, well, you know, she can 't be talking about physical death. well, go to the amplified Bible in First Timothy chapter six and verse 16. Anyone have an amplified tonight? No, I think it's first Timothy 6:16 6, and it says that we are exempt from every form or kind of death. Right. Any kind of death we can think of we 're exempt from that. Oh, that's what it says. I think it's 1 or 2 Timothy 6.16. Any kind of death we're exempt from. I don't care if it's death the carnal way of thinking. I don't care if it's death in ourselves, in our physical body. We have been made exempt from that. In fact, we came here exempt from that. We just forgot it, and Jesus had to resurrect from the tomb to reveal that to us once again. Do you find it? Is it in there? Read it for me
1: who alone has immortality in the sense of exemption from every kind of death. Every kind of death.
0: death. See, I wasn't lying to you. I know some of you (laughs) thought I was, but I wasn't. Every kind of death we have been made exempt from. So why do we have such a problem engaging our divine imagination and feeling the feel that we are exempt from every single solitary kind of death? We should be dancing and jumping and shouting and anything that we think we need or someone else has an apparent need of if we'll engage the divine imagination. See, and the church has been against that. Why? I told you a couple weeks ago why they've been against that. Because Paul the Apostle talked about vain imaginations. And in Genesis chapter 11, they were trying to build a tower to heaven. And it was told them that they could do whatever they imagined to do. But we know it was halted and the languages were confused because that was not God's desire for them to do. And actually the word tower means pulpit. Uh So there's a lot of people from behind the pulpit today Uh trying to tell people what to do to get to heaven. Jump through hoops and this work and that work and the other work and you'll make it to heaven one day. I've really messed the message up. (laughs) Really messed it up now. So any two on earth that they'll agree... Divine imagination and feeling the feel of it is done. Now, let me say it this way. Second Corinthians chapter 5, that's what it means when it talks about being absent from the body. That's a classic funeral scripture. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And they preach it at funerals. And you can make it fit because you can make the Bible fit any way you want to make it fit. You can rest it to your own destruction or use scriptures that don't apply whatsoever to a certain situation. But what is he talking about? To be absent from the body is that I am absent from my former conception of myself. I am absent from any conception that I'm sick, I'm broke, I was a sinner. That's what it means to be absent from the body. See, because when you begin reading in that chapter at the beginning, it talks about us being a temple not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So to be absent from the body, if we are a body that is already eternal in the heavens, and we're not mortal, we just appear to be mortal, we're really immortal, but we just haven't known it, so we've lived like we've been mortal beings rather than having the consciousness of our awareness of being, being God, being Christ, being the Lord, being our governor, being the door, right? So to be absent from the body is to be rid of what I can see with the two eyes on my head. It's seeing with a single eye. And to be present with the Lord is my realization is wholeness completeness shalom complete nothing missing nothing broken i am health personified i am wealth personified because listen the scripture says the lord is he who directs our path well as a man thinks again in his heart so is he or so is his experience so that's your lord that's the Lord factor. Yeah. That's the God factor. So, my awareness of being must be what? Health, wealth. That's my awareness of being. Not I, K. Fairchild, in and of myself, just like Jesus said, I can do nothing in and of myself. But what I hear my I amness say, yeah. what I hear my awareness of being say, that's what I say. Yeah. What I see my awareness of being do, that's all that I do. Jesus never used the power of God on his own. Right. He allowed the power of his I Amness, his awareness of being, to issue forth that power. Now, let me read you a scripture in Numbers chapter 13. If you want to turn there, you can. Numbers 13, 33. We all know the story of the children of Israel, the spies going to spy out the land, and we know what they saw, and we know what they came back and said. But notice what it says there in Numbers 13.33. In that day there were giants. Mm -hmm. Some people today have giant sicknesses. Giant brokenness. Giant dogmas. Giant thoughts. Yeah, that's all that Goliath represents is the giant dogmas. Mm -hmm. Doctrines of men and traditions of men. And we know that David took all of that out with one smooth stone. (laughs) Got him right at the pineal. Then he took his sword and lopped his head right off. Right? Squirrely way of thinking. Squirrely way of thinking. Stinking thinking. That's all Goliath represents. Now, listen. In that day, there were giants in the land. Now, listen to this. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And we were in their sight, the giants, as grasshoppers. So, in other words... We could have giant appearances going on within our life, but listen, only in our own sight does it have power. Right. Right. Only in our own sight. Now, you don't misunderstand sickness exists. Ask me, I know. It exists, but it's not real as God calls real. Why? Because it has no stinking power other than the power we give it by thinking, boy, this is powerful. And I'll tell you what, you know, people all over this world today, unless they're taught properly, believe death. When you come before physical death, oh, that's a real power. It's not. And Jesus proved that by raising people from the dead. Yes. He proved it himself because he was raised from the tomb to show us that it has no power. It has no power whatsoever. So notice here, it states, in our own sight, in our own sight, we were as grasshoppers. So listen, we can, only, we can only be to others what we first are to ourselves. We can only be to sickness what we are first to ourselves. We can only be to poverty what we are first to ourselves. We can only be to any apparent issue in our life what we are to ourselves. And once we realize I am not that. I am. I am health. I am wealth. I am who God says I am. Now let me read you another scripture in Daniel 4.35. It says, all the inhabitants of the earth are as nothing. Remember Isaiah said that also in Isaiah 40 and 50. He was talking about the nations or the vain imaginations. And he said, they are nothing. They are even less than nothing. That's why we've got to see the whole earth full of the glory of God. Don't look at the government. Don't look at all the chaos. Don't well, someone says I can't help it, it's right in front of me. Look away. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Doesn't mean you don't say anything about those things. I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying they have no power whatsoever. There is a government of God in the earth that know these things that I'm talking about tonight. And they are the ones that are seeing through the single eye the whole earth full right now, already full of the glory of the Lord and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. But what it says here in Daniel 4.35, all the inhabitants of the earth are as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the armies of heaven, and among all the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand, nor say unto him, What doest thou? Now, this being spoken of, again, is not a sky deity or a God that is sovereign in an abstract way from you and I. Remember, Esther could not have saved a whole nation from death unless she went unto the king... And unless when he stretched out the scepter, the golden scepter, she touched it, she felt the feel of it is done, and as a result, the whole nation was spared from death. She incorporated, she engaged her divine imagination and touched. And what is the scepter? The scepter talks about the sovereignty of God But the sovereignty of God could not be exercised in that situation in the book of Esther until she was participatory in the transaction and as a result a whole nation was saved. Now Obadiah says, "You are saviors and deliverers. I am saviors and deliverers, and we're going to judge the house of Esau. What does that mean? We're going to minister a word that's going to cause flesh to be dissolved. That's the house of Esau. Esau speaks of flesh. We're going to do this. Yes, the, yes, we're co-creators, and yes, it's you know, as Philippians says, it is God in us that both wills uh, for us to do of His good pleasure. Yes, but it's together." Him in us as us, and we together participating with what the truth has said about us and exercising that dominion that he's given us and that power, not again by using it, but by allowing it to use us and flow through us. So this here where it talks about the armies of heaven among all the inhabitants of the earth, none can stay his hand. Listen, we're the hand of God. We're the hand of God. And what does it say in Revelation chapter 1? You quoted it last week where it talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom is at hand. The word hand is throttle. The throttle is in our hand. Yes, together with the God that abides on the inside of us. Yes, together with the I amness, the God factor and the Christ factor within us. Not apart from him, but together as him in the earth as he is. So are we in this world. Now listen to this in John 8, 24. I'm going to try to close here. It says there, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. In other words, if we do not believe our awareness of being as being Christ and being the God factor, what is the result? That's carnal thinking. And to be carnally minded is death. Right. So you see, you can die in death. You know, what did he say to Adam? Dying thou shalt die if you partake of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But you know what? It took 900 and some years for that death. It was only in his awareness. It didn't change his identity. He was still a son of God, just like the prodigal. It took 900 and some years before the guy croaked. It took that long for that death because Adam wouldn't cha- that, it wasn't changed between the years. The awareness wasn't changed. And we could go into a long story about that. Now, let me have you look in Revelation 3 and verse 20. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. And I'm going to use this strictly allegorically of what we're talking about as we talk about the divine imagination and feeling the feel of it is done and it is finished. In Revelation three twenty, and for the tape's sake, the battery may be going low. I'm going to go quickly through this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, the eye that's knocking at our door is our desire. Your desire is knocking at the door of what? What is the door? Your consciousness. And to open the door is to become one with that which is knocking by feeling ourselves to be the very thing that we think we have an apparent need of. But to close the door, if you close the door, what would, what would be closing the door? It would be to feel that your desire is impossible. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing? You're shutting the door of your consciousness. Mm-hmm. And manifestation, or as it says in the end, I'll sup with him and he with me. Wow. So desire is knocking at your door. And what you need to realize is I have all things, so my desire is of God's will. And so I'm going to open up the door. And listen, in those days, the latchet was on the inside of the door. So you have to open from the inside. And as you open from the inside, you're engaging your awareness. You're engaging your Christ mind. You're engaging your divine imagination. And you're feeling the feel. Hey, I already am that. That's who I am. That's what I am. I already am that. So to rise in consciousness to the naturalness of the thing felt then is to swing wide the door and invite and desire the manifestation of whatever it is that you desire to experience and walk in and have manifestly and subjectively within your life. Now remember, Jesus said, I am myself can do nothing. I myself can do nothing. It's as I turn within to my am, I amness, And proof that we have really done that inner work is when you have come to the place to where, like Jesus before he multiplied the fish and the loaves, he said, I know, Lord, you always hear me. And he wasn't looking up in the sky. Right. I know you always hear me. And, and he was thanking. So proof that we have really done this inner work and we are experiencing it, is thank you, Lord, even before it's a manifested reality within our life. Yeah. See, what does Matthew eleven twenty four 24 say? It says, when you pray, when you pray, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. So believe that they're already the truth about you. Believe that you already have them, because you already do have all things. We lack nothing tonight. So when we pray and we believe that we have all things, then it goes on to say, Mark 4, 11, 24, you shall have them manifestly. Now, one more illustration I'm going to try to close here. John 15. In John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. So in what we are discussing tonight, the vine is your awareness of being. Jesus was not saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and you're separate from him. Like, I, Jesus, am the vine, but you little twigs out here, you're just the branches. No, your your awareness of being is the vine. And what did he say? He said, if you abide in me, if you turn within me, if you abide in me, or if you're rooted in me consciously then the very sap that flows through the vine, which is your awareness of being, is going to come from the right side to the left side, the branches, and it's going to project out the manifestation that you're desirous of experiencing. Wow. So you can say, I'm the vine. <laughs> that's the right side. Come on. The divine imagination, the Christ mind, that's the vine. Yeah. That's the sap. That's the life-giving substance. And if you abide in the vine, the right side, rather than living out of the left side of intellect, human reasoning, and logic, if you live out of the left side, then what is happening? The branch is not dwelling in the vine. It's not dwelling in the right side. So once we can pull it out of a separate man out here, not saying there wasn't a separate man, certainly... I said that when I gave the disclaimer at the beginning. Certainly, the more we understand, the more we appreciate what Jesus the man did in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But we've got to look at these verses of Scripture and quit separating them. Quit having duality between our ears and see that what's said of him is said of us. What's true of him is true of us. John eight fifty eight. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. George, before Abraham was, you were. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. What is he talking about? Not his personhood in the outer sense. Not I, Jesus, was before Abraham. He was talking about his I amness, his awareness of being, which was God. Just the same as you and I tonight. Abraham could have said, before Abraham was, I am. Because Abraham was with God from before the foundation as well. And he had that I am-ness, that awareness of being just as Jesus, just as we have the same thing. Now, in closing, this is my third closing, Candy. In Daniel, I'm going to give you two illustrations in the Old Testament. In Daniel chapter 6, here we see that Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. And they waited until the evening to throw him in there at the supper time of the lions so that Daniel for sure would be eaten by the lions. And it says that he turned his back on the lions and he looked toward the light. Not out here. Within here. Now we could have a den of sickness. We could have a den of financial problems. We could have a den of driving an old car that's not going to make it another mile or two. We could have a den of not a lot of things, mentally, physically, a lot of things we could have. And what we need to do is what? Turn our back on that and turn to the light within, the awareness of being, the I am-ness of our being. And as we turn to the Father part, what we're going to experience as we incorporate, as we engage the divine imagination and feel the feel of it is done See, because, listen, prayer must be not for victory. I'm not praying or meditating or engaging my divine imagination and feeling the feel to get a victory. It's from victory, because I already am. Everything I seek and desire manifestly, I already am that. And then the other one I want to look at is in 2 Kings 4, And this is the widow woman. And remember the prophet came and asked her if she had anything in her house. She said, just a little oil. I think one translation says three drops of oil. All she had was three drops of oil, one translation says. But she told the prophet, Elijah, just a little bit of oil. And he told her, go to the neighbors and borrow some vessels, not a few. And bring those vessels home and close the door. When you return, close the door Close the door to the fact that you only have three drops of oil or a little oil. Close the door to the fact that the vessels that you borrowed are empty and begin to pour. And when she looked away from and shut the door, as he told her to, she began to pour into all of those vessels. And there was enough oil to fill them all with oil left over. Now this woman was a widow. Her husband had passed away She was a widow. And allegorically, a widow speaks of a barren place. Speaks of a barren place. However, your awareness of being and my awareness of being is the Lord, is the prophet, or is the husband. So if we follow the example of this widow, instead of recognizing I only have three drops or however much it was, instead of recognizing that, she had to turn into the house, she had to shut the door, and she had to, just like Daniel, look to the light, to the I Am presence that she was, and realize, I have no lack whatsoever. And as she came to that realization, the oil never ran out. She began to pour and pour and pour, and have oil, and oil left over. Now, I told you I was going to give you one little other little nugget. So many people are all hopped up, got to pray in Jesus' name, At the end of the prayer. And they use it like a magical formula, like somehow that's going to do something. And they're still asking a God outside of them, and they're saying 10 times in two sentences or 20 times in one sentence, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. We, we, we know that, right? We used to do it. It takes one to know one, Right we've been there and done that so in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus they say well my question is did Jesus pray in the name of Jesus did he pray and say in my name no he did not not in words but he did pray in the name of Jesus in the I am-ness of who he was in his awareness of being He didn't utter the words in the name of Jesus. Now, let me give you a little bit on this, and I know you all know this. But name, as praying in the name of Jesus, name, one of the meanings to the ancients was way. So we're to pray in the way he did. And not only that, name means character, and it means nature. So Jesus, by praying from his inner nature, was praying in the name of Jesus not the I, Jesus, the Son of Man part, because he already said, I and myself can do nothing, but as I turn within to the name, to the nature, to the only way that there is, because when we turn within, that is the way, that is the name, that is the nature. So instead, that's why I said decreeing is not necessarily something we say out loud, in words, verbally, unless we're led by spirit too. But it's a consciousness. Decreeing is a consciousness that we come to. And I've seen many prayers answered by just turning within and allowing that consciousness, that awareness, to be joined with the individual awareness. And something happened in that person's life. So Jesus did pray in his I am-ness. And what was he doing The only thing he was doing was going to the Father, becoming consciously aware of his awareness of being. And as he became consciously aware of his awareness of being, and sometimes saying, thank you, Father, I know you always hear me. But he wasn't saying that to some sky deity out here. He was saying that within himself. You know why? Because he knew that the awareness of being works every single solitary time so i asked you tonight who do you say i am not me who do you say i am in you i am he i am father the father factor fathers beget are we not begetting something and this will help you know there's some teaching out there that we hear on god i'm that'll help you to balance some of that teaching out that you see on facebook and so forth because I am not God, but I have a father factor that begets. That brings forth into manifestation. I am, you want to rewire the subconscious? Don't say one day I'm not going to be sick anymore because your subconscious will pick up sick. Say, I am health. Right now, no matter how it looks, I am health. I am wealth. He is all and all y'all. He is all as me and all things are mine. So let's close our eyes again. Let's close our eyes and let's engage whatever it is in your life right now that you say, I would like to experience this subjectively and manifestly. Could be for your kids, your grandkids, didn't have to be for yourself. And engage that divine imagination. See it done. See it done. And feel the feel of it's done, because trust me, it's done but I want to see it done manifestly. And as I see it done manifestly, whatever it is, expect the manifestation, the subjective manifestation. Expect it to crystallize. Expect it to be embodied. Expect it to be subjectively manifested. And as you work with that, that inner working of that on a daily basis, I don't care what it is, I don't care what apparent situation, circumstance, or apparent need it is. It'll manifest. It'll crystallize. And all of us have things in our lives. We all have things in our lives. Even though we're whole, we have things in our lives. Apparent needs. Apparent things that we would like to see tweaked and adjusted and brought forth in manifestation so be it. Father, we thank you for your presence, for your word, for your spirit that is conceiving this word within the womb, our projector, quickening it within us, that it can be something that is more than just a knowledge, an intellect, a human reasoning, or a logic, but it's that which is manifestly the truth about us, in us, through us, and as us. We thank you, we bless you, and we honor you. She said there's one question. Yes. Yes. Hang what on.
1: What about others? When we pray for others, can we heal?
0: Absolutely. There's no time, distance, or space. I did a message years ago. In fact, um, Global Grace uses this series called One Spirit for their students. One Spirit. And in that message, what I shared, and most of you were here, we we're still down in the storefront, but, but you were here. And what I taught in one spirit is that we are one spirit there's only one spirit we're one spirit with everyone so therefore we can exercise this what we're talking about and someone across the world can experience it I've gotten a lot of I mean a lot of comments on the videos and the posts that I've done of people saying that worked something manifested this manifested that manifested and absolutely it's the workingest thing that there is folks it works. You know why? It's God. It's Christ. It's Christ. So your divine imagination is the God factor. It's that which begets co creators together. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, it's not, and I don't even sometimes like to use the word create because you know what? God created all things and, and placed it all within us. So it's not so much a creating, but it's just a bringing into manifestation that which is already ours. Amen. All right, you can go ahead and turn it off. Thanks for joining us, those on Facebook Live. We bless you and honor you. Amen.